you have your Bibles, you can open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. That's where we're going to start today. If you don't, the scripture is printed in bulletin on page 6. There's a place you can take notes on page 7. We're going to be looking at a number of different verses today as we try to understand the Holy Spirit. But before we jump in, I want to just remind you of kind of where we are. The last four months, we've been looking at the fullness of the gospel. Right, trying to understand just how good the good news of Jesus is. And I saw there's a, there's a commercial that has come out. I think it's probably a couple months old by now. Uh, it's a commercial for Coke Zero. And I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it's, it's with this, this boy who turns into a man. And it sort of traces events in his life. And he has learned that if somebody offers him something and he says the word and, then he gets something more. Right, and so the first scene is him in an ice cream shop. Have you seen this? Where the ice cream dude hands him the, the ice cream cone and with the ice cream is a vanilla cone. And he just kind of looks at it. He's like eight years old. He looks up and goes, and? And the ice cream cone guy goes, oh, yeah. And he pulls it back. And he, you see the scoop and the sprinkles go on top and a cherry. And it's like, and then it's presented back to the kid. And he gets this amazing ice cream cone, right? Because he said the word and. Right, and then you sort of fast forward in the commercial, and he's sitting there. He looks like a recent college grad, and he's sitting across the, the across a desk from a guy who's clearly in charge of a large executive, you know, type office. And the guy says, "You've got the job." He reaches over, and he takes the guy, shakes his hand, and he says, "And." And the guy pauses, and he says, "Stock options." <laughs> and then you see this kid on a boat, and you know, he's living the good life because he's wealthy, right? And then at the end of the commercial, he's sitting down with some friends at a restaurant, and he picks up his Coke Zero can, and he drinks it. It's just amazing how good it tastes. And he looks at the label, and it says, and zero calories. <laughs> so it's kind of like you drink Coke Zero, you're getting the greatest and the best. It's not just great taste, and it's no calories. So that's the commercial. And when I thought about that this week, I thought, you know what, that's exactly what we're seeing in our sermon series of the last four months, isn't it? I mean, think about it. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. And I feel like this is kind of how good is the good news? Well, it starts with justification. You're forgiven. You're blameless in God's presence with great joy. That's amazing. But you're allowed to say, God is in you. He is on your inside. 
And that's what we're trying to understand this month. And so I guess I just want you to know from that commercial uh, that, I mean, literally, when we're done with this month, you're going to be able to say, and again. And we're going to talk about something else in August. And then you're going to say, and again. I'm going to talk about something else in September. And again. It just goes on and on and on. Paul says in Ephesians 1-3 that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And so what that means is that God will not stop blessing you. There is more to come and more to come and more to come until you are perfect. In a perfected world where everything is made new. That's what's coming. That's what God has in store for us. And until we get there with, I think, uh, an appropriate reverence, we can continue to say to God, Not because we're not satisfied with what he has, but because God wants us to ask that question because he has so much more than we can understand. Okay, and so that's what we're looking at. And so this month, um, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and it's really, it's good because this is appropriate. Um, there's, I guess, two people I want to tell you about just to illustrate this. Um, one person that I know is part of our church, and I was asking him about if he thought he was ready to begin to have a spiritual influence on other people. You know, if he felt like he was at a place where he could begin to disciple someone else. And it was really interesting what he said. He said, you know, because he said, yes, absolutely. I've been a Christian for years, but what you've been teaching these last four months, what we're hearing about with these truths of justification and regeneration and adoption, he said, I've never, ever understood this before. I've never known about these blessings. I've never had them sort of put in these clear ways, you know, like the apps on our phone, you know, the justification app, the adoption app, the regeneration app, the indwelling app. And he says, I feel like now I know things that I can share with other people. And so that's great. I mean, that's what we all want to get to when we understand these things and we've experienced them to some measure so that we can begin to ask other people, so have you experienced this? How are you doing understanding this? Or you might talk to someone and hear that they're struggling with a problem, and you might think, you know what? I think I want to remind you that you've been justified. Or I want to remind you, you know what? That you're not the same person that you used to be. God has done spiritual surgery. And what would that look like for you? Right? As you begin to learn how to disciple others, the relationships in our church will go to another level. We'll go to another level. I have another friend of mine who's meeting with me to explore spirituality and Christianity. And it's interesting because as, as I talk to her about this gospel and I put these truths in different language and different words, she just told me this week, she said, you know what, I've never heard anybody explain Jesus like this before. She said, this sounds like good news to me. So this is what we're aiming at. That's what we're aiming at. And so as we look at the Holy Spirit last week, if you'll remember, we saw that God is spirit. Right? And though he's separate from this world, God personally and actively participates in our lives. And God's spirit is the presence of God participating in life on earth. And so question for you, this last week, did you see God anywhere this last week that you didn't see before? That was part of the goal. We can understand that God is actively present. And we begin to look for him, we're going to find him in places that we didn't know he was. Did you see him this week? You think back over your week. Are there ways now that you can say, oh, I think God was present 
If you have an opportunity to share with somebody else the good news that God is actively present and working in our lives. Remember, James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Right? The words that we hear, we can we can want to put into practice. And so we saw that God's Spirit gives us physical life last week. We saw that God's Spirit gives us, He not only just animates our bodies, but God's Spirit also gives us a spirit. And so we're made in His image. Well then, the last thing we saw last week is that God gives us His Spirit. So that He lives in us. And that's what we're going to look at more closely today. We're going to look at what it means to have new spiritual life from God's Spirit. Okay? And we're going to see two things. Um, the first thing um, in this category of new spiritual life, we're going to see that it's friendship from God. Okay? It's friendship from God. If you want to know what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit in you, what does it mean that God puts His Spirit in you? It means, first of all, it means friendship from God. So I want you to look uh, in your bulletin on page 6. Just one verse there at the top. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says this. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, I don't know what goes through your mind when you read a verse like this. Um, sometimes when I read a verse like this, nothing goes through my mind. Sometimes I read a verse like this and I think, uh, oh yeah, yeah, this is one of those liturgy type verses that are said in like high churches and, uh, and, and okay, that's it. I just sort of move on. Um, this is part of the Bible that God wants us to actually look. What God is doing is God is teaching us about himself. Okay, the Bible presents God as a trinity. Right? There's only one God, yet this one God has manifested himself in three different persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting about this verse is that this verse is like Paul, the Apostle Paul's description. Okay, if I'm going to use one word to describe the Son, one word to describe the Father, one word to describe the Spirit, this is what it is. And so he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to sum up in Paul's mind what Jesus meant to him, it meant grace. If you want to sum up what the Father meant, what God meant, God is, is, is Paul's way of talking about the Father. He uses the word love. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's really interesting if you stop and you think, when Paul looks for one word to describe the benefits of the Holy Spirit, he uses the term fellowship. I would circle that. If you want to understand what is the purpose, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's to produce fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. Okay, well, what's fellowship? Fellowship is the best friendship you can possibly have. Okay? Fellowship is the best friendship you could possibly have. Okay? I don't know that. Well, let's look at James chapter 2. That's uh, down here below. Right here it says, chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, it says, You see that faith was active along with his works, talking about Abraham, actually, and faith was completed by his works, 
verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. A friend of God. And so, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us. The Holy Spirit is given so that we would become friends of God. Now again, sometimes when I think about God, the word friend doesn't come to mind. Right? Because I think about God being really big, really holy, and I need to be really reverent. Okay? Um, I need to honor him. I need to be careful. I need to, you know, watch myself because he's so perfect. You know, you read so much in the Bible and it's revelation from God. When people are in his presence, it's like they're undone. Right? All they can see is how imperfect they are. Right? And so the word friend wouldn't necessarily come to mind. And yet, the Bible is telling us to think this way about God. You see that? You see how important it is for us to, to stop and think about what the Bible says? These words are not here arbitrarily. These words are inspired by God so that we would know how we're supposed to think about Him, how we're supposed to think about us. And God has inspired words that make us think that we ought to be reverenced, that we need to be careful. But God also says that Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham was not perfect. Abraham had multiple wives. Abraham struggled to trust God. Abraham did all kinds of things that um, would make it really clear that he could be friends with God without being perfect. And so that's good news for us. He was called a friend of God. And so the Spirit of God is given to us so that we would have fellowship with God. Okay? And again, fellowship is the best friend you ever had or better than a friend that you've ever had. We're talking about, like what fellowship is, is two people coming together and knowing each other well. Caring about each other. I mean, it's as simple as asking each other how they're doing and caring about the answer. Right? It's two people that, um, that care so much that they're willing to sacrifice their time for each other. They're willing to sacrifice their energy for each other. They're willing to sacrifice money for each other, right? I mean, some of the best families operate this way. Right? Fellowship is two people who are close, intimate friends. Right? So we're talking about the person in your life that is willing to rejoice with you when things are good, who's willing to not abandon you when things are bad. Right? We're talking about that friend in your life who is willing, when you're out of line, to come to you and say, Listen, I love you because I love you. I need you to realize the direction that you're going is not good. Or you know what? Nobody else is willing to tell you this because I care about you. I know that you need to hear this. Right? That's an aspect of fellowship. Right? A fellowship is a friendship where someone's got your back. Where you can be a picture, you know, picture of battle. Where literally somebody is behind you fighting and making sure that no one is going to come up behind you, stab you in the back, shoot you from above. That's what fellowship is. It's, it's two people's lives that are so intersected, so intertwined, that each is better. And when the Bible talks about fellowship, it obviously involves this idea of a relationship with God. 
that these two people, when they're human beings in fellowship with each other, they're both pushing each other up closer to God. They're both bringing each other into God's presence and saying, hey, do you remember that this is true about God? Do you know what God's promises are for you? And so what's amazing is that when Paul tries to describe the Holy Spirit in a single word, Paul says, I want you, I want the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be with you. And so the Holy Spirit is designed, the Holy Spirit's function, if you want to simplify it down, is to help you to experience a friendship with God. Okay? Jesus, to sum up all of his work, will bring you God's favor. That's what grace is. God, to sum up all of what he does, expresses love and fills, you, and fills your life with his love. Fellowship. With the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants you to experience a friendship with God. So if you don't feel like you are a friend of God, if you don't have a relationship with God that you would describe as a friendship, where God is for you, what a good friend would be for you, then the Holy Spirit wants to give you something more. So if you don't feel a friendship, if you don't feel a relationship that's so close, you call it a good friendship, fellowship with God. Holy Spirit wants that for you. This first Corinthians passage describes a little bit of how this works. Look at this. It says, 1 Corinthians 6 17, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Okay, this is really important to, fit, to build on from last week. Okay? So he is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So God is spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24. We have a spirit. The Holy Spirit brings our spirits together. Okay, when you believe in Jesus, you're joined to the Lord. And when you are joined to Jesus, you become one spirit with Him. God gives you the invisible presence of Himself. And I just want you to see this in the scriptures. Right? You become one spirit with God. And so God, the Holy Spirit, joins our spirits with God. So we become one spirit. It's like we can think the way He thinks. First Corinthians 2 says we are we have, we have the mind of Christ. Right? Um, Ephesians 5 talks about. Uh, Jesus being the head of the church. So we're joined to God like a head is joined to the body. Right? We're the body. He's the head. Right? That's another image of scripture uses. Jesus says in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And so we have this joining together. And the vine and the branches. So we're the branches. Jesus is the vine. And it's like the sweet sap of the spirit flows into our lives. We are one spirit with him. The same spirit that is in Jesus when we trust in Him, comes into our lives. And so this is what produces this friendship with God. This is the relationship that God is seeking with you. The relationship He wants to have. The reason He gave you a spirit is because He wants you in all of your faculties. He wants your intellect to be in relationship with Him, your emotions to be in relationship with Him. 
right? Your, um, your psychological stuff. I mean, everything about you, right? God has made you more than physical so that you can know him. So you can reflect him. That's what it means to be made in his image. So friendship with God is what God is after. So how do we get this? Right? How do we get more of this? This new spiritual life that supposed to produce this friendship with God. How do we get this? This is our second point. So, friendship from God. Point two, it's faith from us. It's faith from us. We need to believe. We need to have faith. And we're going to talk about what that means. This is Galatians 3, verse 14, also in the bulletin. It's up here on the screen. It says this, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, comma, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Okay. How do we receive this spirit? And then if we have the spirit, how do we grow this spirit's influence in our lives? It's through faith. Okay, that's what this verse says, right? That we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So, I want to talk about what this means. We may throw the word faith around, we throw the word belief around, um, and I think a lot of times we don't really understand what it means. Okay, so if you're in that place, Again, I think sometimes in church, Christians, we end up talking about some things so often that we forget to explain them, but we just all lose and forget what it means. What does it mean to have faith? Faith is this, our spirit reaching out to God. Okay? Faith is our spirit reaching out to God. That's what faith is. Let me, let me unpack that a little bit. Um, you have part of you that's not physical. Okay? You have a spirit. Right? And your spirit, the Bible, there's hundreds of verses that talk about our spirit. Um, your spirit is your moral center. Um, your spirit it, you know, uh, contains your emotions. Your spirit contains your thinking. Your spirit is partly uh, influenced by your physical, but it's, it can be stronger than your physical. Okay? And so you have this part of you, your spirit, it's in control of your life. It's in control of the decisions that you make. Okay? When your spirit reaches out to try to connect to God, that's faith. Okay? Faith is you, I mean, in a sense, hoping it's you reaching out for God. Okay? That's what faith, uh, that's what faith is. Uh, that's what faith does. And so, think about it. Your prayers are an act of faith. Okay? When you pray, you pray reaching out to God, hoping that He's going to hear you. Right? You pray and you believe as you pray that He does hear you and that He wants to listen to you. Right? Um, if you call yourself a Christian and you follow Jesus, so you make decisions in your life to orient your life around Jesus. If he says something, you're willing to do it. He says, don't do something you're willing not to do. If he lived in a certain way and you want to pattern your life after him, right, you are expressing a faith in him. 
your faith, in a sense, is reaching out and hoping to touch Jesus in, in a way. It's hoping to show Jesus that you care enough to make decisions in your life because of him. Right? It's, just, it's an act of faith. When it comes to the gospel, you might know that you're not perfect. You might know that God is holy and that sin needs to be punished. And you may have put your faith in Jesus, like in a more gospel-oriented way. You believe that God will accept you because of what Jesus has done for you. And that's an act of faith. Right? For you to go into God's presence, for you to talk to God, for you to claim to have a relationship with Him, you are believing that God will accept you because of what Jesus has done. If you're a Christian, that's part of what it means to have faith, right? And so, faith is our spirits reaching out, either because we're trusting in God and what God has said, and we're trusting in His promises, uh, or we are throwing ourselves on His mercy and we're hoping He's going to catch us. And so, this is what happens: like when we believe, when we have faith, we're reaching out to try to touch God. We're reaching out to try to connect with God. We're saying, God, I can't see you. Can't see you, but I believe you're there. <laughs> and if you're a Christian, you're saying, God, I believe you're there, and I believe you sent Jesus. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he rose from the dead. And so I'm going to trust that, and I'm going to approach you as if that's true. Because I believe it's true. And so this is what our spirits do. And when we do this, when we do this, when we reach out to God in faith in Jesus, God gives us the Spirit. And God gives us the Spirit. So we receive the promised Spirit through faith in Jesus. And when that happens, God, God fills us. He does change us. We're justified, we're adopted, we're regenerated. And then God fills us with the Spirit. Now, What's interesting is that we don't always do this. Okay, there are times in our lives where we don't honor God. We aren't trusting in God. We aren't believing His promises. There are times in our lives when we believe very different things. And so let me just show you a couple of verses that talk about sin in our spiritual life. Okay? Because if we have this relationship with God through His Spirit, well, look what Ephesians 4.30 says. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. First uh, Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Now, this makes sense if you understand that the Holy Spirit brings fellowship, brings friendship with God. Because just like in any friendship, uh, if you're a friend of someone else and they ignore you, they turn their back on you, they live their life as though you don't exist, or that they don't care what you think anymore. It makes you sad. But that grieves you. And when we sin, that grieves the Holy Spirit. And so the decisions that we make, the way that we, that our spirits respond to life, okay? Sin isn't just God making a list of stuff so we can feel that. Sin is God trying to help us have a relationship with Him. Okay? The same God who gave us the, uh, His laws is the same God who came in Jesus and loved us well. Right? And so we can grieve God's Spirit. Then we can quench the Spirit. I mean, it's interesting. 
Like, I think this image, it sort of paints, it paints God in his presence in us like a fire. Right? That God puts this fire inside of us. And we can, by our actions, we can, by our sin, pour water on that fire and cause it to be quenched. We can cause it to go out. And again, this makes sense. Because in any friendship that you have, if you ignore someone else, if you disregard them, if you mistreat them, if you hurt them, you know, the first time they're going to be there with you. They're going to be there waiting, hoping that you will apologize, hoping that you'll make it right, hoping you didn't really mean it, hoping, you know, whatever. But after, over time, the more you do that, the more your relationship is separate, right? The less of a relationship you have. And this passage says that by our sin, we can quench the presence of God in us. And so this is important. This is important. Um, in fact, this really hit me uh, on Friday. On Friday, actually, I was, I woke up and I was doing my CBR, and it was interesting because I started thinking about, I don't know why, but when I woke, actually, I didn't know why, I had this crazy dream, and I woke up and I was thinking about the most heinous sins of my past. Like as I grew up, the sins that, that I didn't just commit, but the sins that I was committed to. Do you understand the difference? I don't know for you, but for me, like there were things that I was absolutely committed to. I had committed my life to living and breathing and enjoying a relationship with particular sins. Um, and I just, I don't know why, but I just began to confess these things to God. Um, I was concerned that there might be something in those sins that maybe I just needed to, I just wanted to go back and confess them all. Like I know I'm forgiven for the past, but I just felt like there were things in my life that I just wanted to go back over and make sure that there was nothing still lingering in my life because of those sins. You know what I'm saying? Um, this happens in human relations too sometimes where like, if I don't feel like, did I really apologize for this? Did I really tell you that how bad I thought what I did was? And I'll go back and re-apologize? Just to make sure that the other person knows that I know what I did was that wrong. I want to own so we can be rid of it, so we can get rid of it all. And so for me, I went back through that process and um, I just said, you know, I mean, the sins I was committed to, lust in a big way, um, stealing, I had a huge issue with stealing, um, lying. Uh, I would tell anybody anything to try to get them to think about me in the way that I wanted them to. I didn't care what the truth was, but I could get away with it. Um, and then the fourth thing was that, the fourth thing is pride, but not just pride, but I struggled so much with, I bragged about these first three things. Not only was I committed to sin in my life, but I was also committed to making sure that everybody knew how cool I was because of the stuff that I did. Does that make sense? And so yeah, so Friday morning, I just I spent time going back over that and, and repenting and telling God how sorry I was that in my spirit, not only had I quenched his presence in me so completely, and not only did I, I, mean, I grieved his heart, 
And as I was confessing these sins, as I was going back over these things in my life, the, I don't know, one of the things that, that occurred to me was that these sins of lust, of stealing, of lying, and pride, all of these things were ways that I expressed that at the center of the universe was me. I lived my life as though I was the most important thing in the world. That nothing else mattered if I wasn't happy. That no one else mattered if I wasn't happy. And I would use anyone or anything to serve my needs. And getting to confess that, to go before God, then to confess that that I want the opposite to be true for me. That I want to not lust, but I want to champion the purity of others. You know, that I want to honor everyone else. Right? That I want to honor the people's possessions. I want to be content with what I have. Right? That I want to live in the truth. That when I live in lies, like, I get trapped and I get scared because I've got to keep that going. And then bragging about this stuff is so offensive. Like to think about me bragging before my friends, bragging before other people. Just in this picture of me living my life and God up there crying and wanting me to come back, wanting me to wake up and to see, you know what? The decisions that I was making are putting me farther and farther and farther away from me. And that struck me. And I was just flooded with a renewed sense of thankfulness for Jesus because when my spirit was running from God, God didn't stop loving me. He didn't stop loving us. I was, you know, this friend of mine, he's not a Christian, we were talking this week and we're reading this book together. In this book, it talks about how in issues of love, you've got to come yourself. You can't send someone else in issues of love. And we were talking about that, how much we thought that was amazing. And, and, and this book says, you know, God didn't just say that he loved us, but he came and showed us that he loved us. Because in issues of love, you have to come yourself. You can't send someone else to do the bidding. So God couldn't send a prophet. You know, he couldn't send... Uh, he couldn't send anybody else, he had to come himself. She was like, yeah, that's amazing. I said, well, so for me, this is what God does in Jesus. This is the story of Jesus. She said, wow, I never thought about that. Um, and this book, this quote, I should get it, send it to you guys, I put it on Facebook or something, but this quote, it says that um, if Jesus, if God were just interested in being right, getting us to be right in our thinking about him, he didn't have to come. Right? If God was just interested in judging and condemning the people that are sinful, he didn't have to come. But God was bent. He was bent on love. He was bent on coming to love us. And so he came. And I said, I said to me, this is compelling. This is why I follow Jesus. She said, yeah, that makes really good sense. And I said, you know what? If this is true, if this is really the story of Jesus, 
that God was personally coming and doing that had to be done in order for us to have his love, then I don't see how anyone can ignore this and say they have a relationship with God. She said, I don't think I've ever heard anything explained like that before. So it seems like, and we're not even talking about people who have never heard about Jesus. That's a separate group of folks and a different way to approach it. But for people who have heard, because now it's like God comes personally to show his love. God comes personally to care for us because he wants a friendship. He wants a relationship with us. And he does all that he does. And for us to turn our back on it, for us to ignore that, for us to say it's not necessary, In the front. That grieves God. She said, if that's true, then I'm going to follow Jesus. Nobody has ever explained the cross like that before. And I said, it's interesting because to me, the same Jesus that calls us to follow him, the same Jesus that gives us. This list of do's and don'ts, it's not exactly what it's about. The do's and don'ts, they're part of what it means to have a relationship with Him. So that our spirit can become one with His spirit. And the same Jesus that gave us these laws and invites us into this relationship, that's the same Jesus who came to God. And again, she said, no one's ever explained it like that before. This sounds like good news. She said she was born for want to follow Jesus. Because she wants this relationship. And for her, the cross, it just never made more sense than it did that day. Friends, that's for us. If you're not a Christian, this is the offer that God makes to invite you into a relationship with Him. This is all that He's done. What's amazing is He didn't just come for you, but He then comes in you. God's presence is in you. You just have to believe that that's true. You have to believe what God says in His Word. Like these amazing promises that are in here. This is why we read it. It's so that we can know, oh, I didn't know that I was one spirit with God. I didn't know that the purpose of the Holy Spirit was to help me have a relationship with Him. And once you see it in you, you can trust it. You can believe it. And when you receive that by faith, when you exercise faith, it becomes real. It becomes real. And God's life fills you. God's life fills you. Um, once a month in our life groups, we talk about how a maturing relationship with Jesus includes a maturing relationship with God on Sundays. Okay? So I want to just apply this here on Sundays in our worship service. Okay? Every week we come. Every week we go through a relatively similar liturgy, a relatively similar order of service. All of what we do is designed to help you experience this friendship with God through the Spirit. Okay? We have a call to worship. God calls us in the presence to wake up our spirit. 
case your spirit has been sleeping, in case your spirit hasn't wake yet, in case your spirit hasn't had coffee, for whatever God, we have this call to worship so that you wake up and remember, oh yeah, yeah, I need to engage. Right? God calls us out of slumber, He calls us into His presence. Right? And then we sing. Singing is one chance for us to be alive spiritually. I know that you can sort of sing without meaning it, but the idea of singing is that it engages you both body and soul, right? Mind and spirit are engaged. Not just the words, but we sing, because singing is a greater expression of more of who we are. Singing is more emotional. Singing is more, and so God wants us to have that relationship. So we sing so that we can be alive spiritually, so our spirits can join with His, okay? And then we confess our sins. Right? We own the darkness. We change our minds. So the ways that we grieve or quench the spirit, we're open about those things. And we're reminded that God loves us. We're reminded that when we wander away, God came and pursued us. Right? And then God puts his spirit in us. Right? These are his promises. Um, with the sermon, right? our, our consecration, but we get more of God's spirit. We understand more of what it means to have a relationship with Him. We understand what that relationship looks like in more areas of our lives. Right? That's what our sermon is designed for. Communion. Communion is proof that you can't live this out on your own. You can't do life on your own. You don't have to. God takes the body and the blood of Jesus and puts it in you. Right? It's not just Jesus for you. It's Jesus in you. It's His Spirit dwelling in you. That we receive communion. And then God sends us out with a benediction. So he says, go and be these people. Go get back on mission. Right? I've got work for you. I've got people. I've got a job. I've got work that I want you to be engaged in. That's what our service is about. That's what I want you all to think about. So you can get better and more practice when you're thinking about these things as you come on Sundays. I want you to be thinking about communion in this way, the benediction in this way. Think about our final song in this way so that we can respond to God. Um, he's offered friendship. We need to offer faith. When we believe these things, they transform us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this relationship. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for, for, for caring about us, for wanting to know us like this. If you didn't say these things, Lord, we'd be hesitant to believe them. But we now reach out with faith. And we ask you to help us to walk in these things. We're going to believe right now that your word is true. We're going to trust that you are with us, that you're always with us, and that you want to have this kind of friendship with us. You want to help us to believe. There's that great passage in Mark right, where the guy says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I pray you would do that, because we do. We struggle. It is hard for us at times to know how we can walk in this to show us, Lord, you near to us and help us to deepen our relationship with you so that we would understand this friendship that we have with you. 
And as we experience this friendship, Lord, help us to be this kind of friend to others, to help others to have this friendship with you. And we will give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.